0: Block Talk Radio
1: Today's show is a rebroadcast of one of our previous favorite episodes, and because of this we regret that we're unable to take your live call today. free audio book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show.
0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Undivided, episode number nine, Using Music to Unify People. In peace, we are live tonight here on November first. It's 7 p.m. here on the East Coast. Welcome to Undivided. I'm your host Frank Chamberderry, and again we'll be discussing the utilization of music to achieve and unify people in peace. My special guest this evening will be Diego Alessandro. I will uh, get to his introduction in a moment, but first I wanted to just take a pause. I feel I have to uh, mention something about the unfortunate events of yesterday. It's what everyone is talking about as part of our uh, national consciousness, unfortunately, and that was the terror attack in New York City yesterday in lower Manhattan, uh, which we all know of by now. Uh, Thoughts and prayers go out to the victims, their families, and all those who are affected by such a horrible act. Um, And it seems every time I come on the show, either a day or two prior, something has gone on, from Hurricane Harvey uh, to Hurricane Irma to Hurricane Maria with Puerto Rico to the wildfires in California. And at our 15 minute, or quarter of the hour break, I'm going to also provide some information about different organizations where you can give and provide uh, for those who have been affected by uh, the, the various tragedies here. Uh, But the uh, situation in New York always conjures up images of the prior terror attacks, uh, September 11th, in which we uh, talked about a couple of shows ago as well. Uh, That backdrop and music is going to play a role. It's going to play a role in in healing uh, from this situation and from the emotions that it brought to the surface, just as it did all those years ago after 9-11. Uh, some 16 years ago, music has a role in, in our culture and our society that dates back all the way from prehistoric times, uh, different early civilizations utilized music in biblical times, which we'll discuss with Diego when we get him up here in a couple minutes. It's played a huge role. The book of Psalms is all lyrics and verse in worship to God. It has play, played a huge role in the soundtrack of people's lives. You know the old uh, Kenny Chesney song "I Go Back" is, uh, if you're unfamiliar with the song, it lists out different songs, and those songs are a part of your life. When you hear them, you go to that place. When you hear that song, you might go back to a day in grammar school. You might go to a certain event in high school before a football game or a big game that you were in. A song might take you back to a loss of a friend or a relative and where you were that day. Music has gotten us through wars, like the Vietnam War. You think of all the music created during that that very unfortunate period of history. It's gotten us through peace. Music has been used to shed light on injustices in our society and in our world. It's been used to raise awareness of situations. It's been used to raise funds for causes all across the spectrum from illnesses and diseases to disaster relief as we think of different hurricanes, Hurricane Sandy and uh, Hurricane Irene and, and recently with Hurricane Harvey. The musical community has come together. Music can be enjoyed both in a solitary environment, people wanting to unwind, wanting to what I call rock out at the gym, listening in the gym or in a car or on a train. Music can also be communal with concerts and big festivals at family reunions or parties. In conventions and at church. It has a role in popular culture. It has a role in religion. It has a role in society. And it's part of the fabric of, of who we are. It's a shared human, it's a shared humanitarian thing. And we're going to talk about that with our guest, Diego Alessandro who is a very talented musician and writer, producer and lyricist. His most uh, recent single single is called Lonely in Brooklyn. Diego was part of a band called Lot 25 at one point. He's done articles on music. He's involved in social justice causes. He has done charity work with concerts and proceeds going to a variety of different charities. So we're gonna get Diego up now to join Undivided.
1: Hey, Frank, how are you, buddy?
0: Diego, welcome to Undivided. How thank are you? you? For,
1: thank you for, for having me.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for joining us, and especially on this topic, which I know is near and dear to you. And um, within the backdrop of all that's going on in the past couple of days, uh, going to be really cathartic for people to listening to the show tonight and to start to move forward from some of the emotions of the last couple of days. Um, so let's, let's dive in if you don't mind. Um, music has been part of our culture human culture civilization since priesthood. As I referenced in the intro of the Bible, has several references to me. Uh, the book of Psalms are song lyrics praising or paying homage to God. Uh, What fundamental element of music adheres itself so much to the human condition?
1: I mean, some of it is physical. There are certain chords, uh, notes, melodies, and scales that are pleasing to the human ears. But I think most of it is emotional. When you hear a lyric that resonates with you, um, it it, it can be in a very powerful way. And people will sometimes turn to music and music events for, like you said, a catharsis um, or just to kind of cut loose. So, you know, you're part of a generation used to go out dancing, you know, to to kind of blow off steam at the end of the week. Uh, And you hear it in the old, you know, the older rock and roll songs from, I would say, about the 50s to like the early 80s. Even early rap was uh, a dance craze before... N.W.A. really and Public Enemy took it into a, a, a more of a, a class and social conscious direction. Uh, disco music was a huge thing uh, in the in the 70s, you know, in, in both black and white culture. Uh, it, it just serves so many purposes. You know, sometimes people need to dance, or sometimes you want to turn on some folk music and be challenged intellectually, or you might turn to gospel music and and search for more religious answers.
0: Absolutely. Um, The art form we now know as music started and evolved as like a a form of worship. that's rooted in religion. Uh, Gospel music, as you just mentioned, is a great example of a genre derived from the biblical teachings over time. Uh, How do you think that's changed over time?
1: Um, I mean, you know, it, it that that element is still there, you know. So there are a lot of guys that I know on the internet and forums, guitar forums, and they play at their local churches. You know, the religion and music oh, really? never really changes. There are just new definitions of music as an art form. You know, one of the things I've always struggled to achieve with my own music is. Trying to connect to things in in, in the personal lives of people at, in my age and in my generation. What, what are we going through? What are we going through personally, politically, uh, professionally, interpersonally, in terms of relationships? It, 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 as long as there's always a search for something deeper, there's an art within the music.
0: And why do you think that is? Why do you think that? Do you think it's just because there's a lot going on that you're having trouble connecting to that, or is it is it another reason?
1: No, it's just it's always a struggle because you never know what people are really going to come identify with. We're, you know, it, it it's easy to sit and sure. just put words on a piece of paper and put them to. Music, But to find something that people can connect to that's always a struggle doesn't matter whether you achieve it or not. It's always going to be a struggle because you just never know until people hear it. What connection there might be.
0: Sure, I can understand that in this a similar thing with, you know, different creative writing and poetry and things like that you never know what is going to really resonate or connect with with the reader. And it's always interesting to me and, and in this case and with the listener with podcasting and it's interesting to me in, in both of those mediums of uh, what has and what has not. So that's, that's been a very interesting uh, exercise, if you will, for me. Sorry. I can, um, I can relate in that, uh, in that way. Um, over the course of history you know, music has evolved, uh, yet in some ways it's, kind of stayed the same. Uh, We use the term crossover artist. I'm sure you're familiar with that. And people in the audience I'm I'm speaking to are familiar with that uh, term. They may not be. Uh, So we might need a small definition there. And music has displayed a resilience to other musicians coming from across different genres and doing what's called covering songs or covers of songs that have been done, you know, by someone else. What was the driving force behind those developments?
1: Well, I think a lot of that kind of comes from the creation of rock and roll music. Rock and roll in its infancy uh, originally kind of called, originally it was kind of called rock, rockabilly. And the perfect example of that is Jerry Lee Lewis, Sam Phillips, the owner of Sun Records used to say of Jerry Lee Lewis that he had a black left hand and a white right hand. So a lot of it has to do with the racial tensions in American culture, rock and roll was birthed from white country western music and black rhythm and blues rhythms that had originated with the West African slaves that had been brought over over a century before rock and roll really, be, you know, became a thing. Um, in the rock and roll itself, in that way, is a crossover music. It's a mo- it's a molding of not just genre but culture as well. Uh, and then we saw it later on in the 1980s that. You know, Run DMC had a huge hit with Walk This Way after putting a danceable hip-hop beat to an Aerosmith song. And then Aerosmith came and did the music video, and it gave Aerosmith a huge rebirth in their career. They went on to have a lot of success in the late 80s and early 90s. Um, up, up until, I believe they broke up a few years ago. I would fact-check me on that. But, uh, okay. you know, cr- cross, crossing over in music has a really... Started there because up until that point, you had jazz, you had, you know, Stephen Foster, Woody Guthrie, Lead Belly folk music. Uh, Pete Seeger, of course, started coming about around that time as well. And then you had Broadway show tunes, you had classical. No one really combined those things. The Beatles were a crossover group in a way. They, they took these classical music elements and introduced those as a song.
0: That's really interesting. I was going to actually mention jazz as one of those you know, pure American forms. And jazz was in a, a combination of a, a variety of forms of music, too. Am I correct on that? Yeah. A, 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 a,
1: yeah a, it's, uh, it is... it a, 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 is in, in rock and roll, it's a lot like rock and roll in that way where you really kind of see a molding of, of different genres and influences. But I think the one difference with jazz was, you know, there's the Latin jazz, uh, jazz fusion, which is more of like a hip-hop funk type thing. Um, Artists over time have taken other black influences and, and infused it into jazz. We've seen Latin influences in jazz. But you haven't seen like you know, Jen, you know Jennifer Nettles and Sugarland or Lady Antebellum go up and somehow mix uh, country and country western with jazz. So it, it, there there are some limitations to these rules. Uh, they're not really written down anywhere, which is kind of a funny thing because you can almost go anywhere when it comes to music as a songwriter or an artist. But uh, you know, there's just some rules you you kind of don't break instinctually, I guess.
0: (laughs) Sure. That that makes sense. It could be a a, a pretty big flop if you you did. And um, We are right on the button, 715. Look at that. Uh, 15 minutes into our live show tonight. The show is live this evening. Uh, So you can feel free. We're going to open the lines to calls uh, in about 15 minutes. Uh, That number is 646- 716- 9397- And again, I'd like to remind you that audible.com is the sponsor of this program and all the programs on the life coach radio network Uh, show promo for Russ and Jen, Russ, Terry, and Jen have a special show coming your way tomorrow. That's Thursday night, November the 2nd, believe it or not, tomorrow night at 8 PM Eastern over on the life coach chat channel, Russ and Jen uh, tomorrow night, November the 2nd at 8 p.m. And then as far as donation, I mentioned the top of the program, donation to Puerto Rico, to uh, the wildfires of California, to Hurricane Harvey. Texas is a long way from being relieved or cured from any of that and all the damage going on there. www.cross.org www.salvationarmyusa.org Catholic Charities USA eight hundred nine one nine 919 9338, Food for the Poor. This is for Puerto Rico and the Caribbean, 800 And we're back here on Undivided, episode number nine, Using Music to Unify People in Peace. Diego's aboard with me as my co host for the evening, our special guest, and I'm really blessed to have him on the program. Um, I want to ask you, just as you had mentioned some of this, and, and as we kind of dove deeper into uh, uh, some of the beginnings of music and, and the crossover appeals of certain songs, how has your own background shaped your music and/or your uh, propensity for different types of music?
1: Uh, well, you know, I'm I'm a I'm an Xennial technically. Uh, there's like a mini generation between Generation X and Millennials. They call Xennials from the early '80s. So I have baby boomer parents, but I also listen to the stuff that came out when I was a kid. I listen to some stuff that comes out now. So I I have this huge history of music that I can go back to and I eventually went further. I'm a huge fan of the Gershwins, a huge fan of Woody Guthrie and Stephen Foster. Uh I I love the old negro spirituals that uh you know, people in this country have been singing for hundreds of years. Uh it, You know, I'm also raised in an Italian-American house, even though I was born in Colombia, so I listen to Latin music. I listen to Sinatra and Tony Bennett. Uh, I just listen to so much stuff, and I kind of just filter it through myself. There's an old – I believe it was Walt Whitman who once uh, had said uh, something along the lines of, uh, you you know, you will feed off the specter of books and filter them from yourself. And I've kind of taken that in my own way with music where I'll kind of listen to everything and find some way to incorporate it. The last album I put out was the one album that I did with Lot 25. We were using electronic on the album. We just ran around banging on whatever made noise with drumsticks for one song for five measures to make an intro that just sounded industrial, you know? And industrial was a huge underground thing in the 90s. You wouldn't look at me and think this is a guy who would listen to industrial rock, but sometimes, you know, I'll put it on and I'll see where those influences might take me. You know, it, it's really about painting on a broad canvas and making sure you, you find a way to use every color.
0: Wow. So now, you th- do you think that those different elements of your background and those different elements of, you know, what your parents – instilled with, with their uh, musical interests, that's uh, shaped you?
1: I'm sorry, can you repeat that?
0: I said uh, the different music that you listen to because you listen to such a wide range of music and like you have your parents influence with some of the, their musical taste. Has that um, uh, influenced you in a really profound way as far as the creation of your own music?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've written songs that Felt like you know a 1950s three chord rocker, and I've written songs that felt like it was it came out in the early 2000s in the in the pom punk and emo explosion. Uh, it, it, I I just try to take a little bit of everything, and you know with music being a soundtrack for everybody's lives, why would you know I just don't I I, I would never hold myself to one genre as a listener, so I never really did it as a songwriter because i i feel like each genre serves its purpose sometimes i you know i would come home from work and i'd be in a bad mood so what would i do i you know turn my guitar on loud i blast some green day and i play some punk music as loud as i could and just you know get the anger out of me or sometimes i'm cooking in the kitchen and i put on an old duke ellington album cuz i just kind of want to mellow out a little bit you know and and have a bite sure. to eat so you know, those those having those wide range of influences, it is it is a pretty profound thing. Um, if it's you know, if there's there's very little that I take a lot of pride in in life, but one of the things is I know that I could in almost any genre. You know, I like you know, I'm working on new songs right now. One song is actually a reggae song. The Beatles never tried reggae, so to, it, it's that scary thing of trying something new, but also knowing that you know, if you can pull it off and you can do it, if you have confidence, if you're honest in your execution of the genre, that you can probably do it well.
0: Yeah, it leads me to uh, think about the band U2, you know, and and how they're constantly trying different things and trying to push that envelope and testing out themselves and how that's you know, they've even talked about it. This album's a lot different than this album. And, you know, this album's a lot different than the one, two albums before that. And it was scary. And the creative process is hard because, you know, we're diving into this, but we don't want to just do the same thing, the same old thing. And for them, it certainly worked. I mean, they've been around for so long. And uh, so I think there is something to be said for that, you know, challenging yourself by, you know, dipping your toe into new waters, and I know for myself, too, it's it's a very similar thing. There are times where you want to have some kind of a emotional, uh, you know, decompression. So you're going to listen to something that will lend itself to that. And there's other points where, you know, I'll say, oh, you know, I've had a really rough day. I just want to listen to something that's going to make me feel calm. And you put on something, you listen to a jazz album, and just kind of really mellow out. Uh, so I can... I can uh, really empathize and and, uh, and level with you there, where there's some points where you, you want to uh, uh, listen to something a little more up-tempo. And it's, it's so interesting how music fits that within our lives, especially, you know, those that uh, are avid listeners uh, to the forum. And uh, has that been a challenge for you to uh, take, you know, what you've done before and, uh, constantly revitalize it and kind of change it up.
1: Yeah, you know it, it is. It's always because when, when Lot Twenty Five and I first formed, it was, I had put out my first album was a, like a an acoustic folk thing. Um, that was it was really uh, very different from anything else that I had done musically. So we tried to find ways that the band could perform some of the songs. So we're like, we're taking a folk song and, and making it almost like a light metal kind of thing and really slowing the beat down. Or another song, we just kind of put like a hip hop beat behind it and, and played it sort of straight rock, you know, with a little bit of a swag. Um, there's, there's always that, uh, you know, that uh, um, challenge to reinvent the songs. But, I mean, as as an artist, you never really want to do the same thing twice because, you know, you look at some one-hit wonders who would put out a second album or a second single that would fail and then they'd be out of the industry. A lot of times it was because it was the same exact thing that they had done before. And the problem with that is, especially in pop music, eventually somebody new is going to come along and offer something slightly different and people are going to gravitate towards that.
0: That's very true. That's very true. Um, What is your favorite music to play? Do you have a favorite genre or is it like an amalgamation or combination of different things? Do you have, um, you know, a favorite that you would kind of go to uh, as far as like a style of music or is it just something that, you know, you're comfortable doing a lot of different things and it's more of a go to based on, you know, where you are, you know, emotionally.
1: Uh, a lot of it is kind of where I am emotionally, but also you know when you're on when I'm on stage, you know I have sometimes three generations in front of me, so I try to find stuff for that's universal for them all and stuff that you know this might be something a younger person might gravitate towards, or this is more classic rock, so an older person might like this a little bit more uh oh this one's a little more new wavy so you know, somebody in the middle might really dig this, uh, and you're 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 trying to incorporate everything that you do as an artist when you're performing for people, because you want them to understand who you are, as as an artist. So it, it a lot of it has to do with emotional resonance, because you you have to sell it, which is kind of a weird way to put it. You know, um, you, you have to sell the emotion yeah you know, and you know the other the other part of it also is i I come from a generation that's kind of unique. A lot of kids in my generation and in the generation that's now in high school coming into college, and some of them are actually in college now that I think about it, they listen to you know a lot of different genres, a lot of different artists from a lot of different time periods, like I do. You know so you you want to create as many connections as possible yeah you know? when when you really? see when you see me live or you purchase music for my body of work, there's something for everybody, and then if you like a wide variety of things, you're probably going to like the collection because I try to go to different places and incorporate a lot of different things thematically and genre wise as well.
0: That's really cool. That's, uh, I'm going to get, get, come back to that in a little bit. Um, that's really some v- really interesting points that I, I was not aware of, uh, especially as you we were talking about people that are in high school or going into college at this point. Um, can you describe the propensity of music to appeal both on an individual level, so like I was speaking about in the intro, listening while you're either driving alone or working alone at your desk or at the gym, and on a communal level, uh, at a festival or a concert, to bring together people, whether it's a particular artist or particular type of music? Yeah,
1: you know, it, it's, well, I mean, music's always going to be a personal thing, even when you're, because the, the event, the concert, the festival, it's all about being there and experiencing what you personally identify with and groove to with other people. And that's, that's the way it, it, that it becomes a community event it's the experience that you share with people but when you're just listening to music because you want to listen to something you're in your car you're at work sitting at your desk trying to pass the day along it's so much more of an individual thing it's like I can't walk into an, you know, it, it, let's say I'm working in an office I can't walk into the office and just start blasting Steve Van Zandt's new album because I dig it you know, some people are going to like it. Some people are going to be <laughs> distracted. But, you know, it you, 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 you has to be that personal thing. But even, you know, in at the concert, you identify with the music in a personal way. You're just kind of doing it with other people, you know? But it's that it's everybody's looking for some kind of community to, to belong to. I've seen Springsteen upwards of 30 times. And every time I go, it's a different show. But I look around and I see everybody singing along to the music, pumping their fists, dancing around. But they're all in their own world, but they're together in that world. It makes it a lot larger, a lot more comfortable, a lot less scary. You know, so it's the experience of of being there. If you've never experienced a Springsteen concert, even if you don't really like this music or you like one or two songs, go one time because... Him with E Street, that's a whole experience in and of itself that we could spend hours talking about. But that's part of his legacy. Exactly.
0: Exactly. I, I hear you totally. Uh, and and having gone myself, I can uh, attest to that as well. I've been to a few different shows, and and, and I can definitely attest to that. Um, we are right on 730. Uh, two radio pros here doing a podcast tonight. Uh, and you are listening to Undivided. This is episode nine, believe it or not. Uh, it's using music to unify people in Eastview, at least the midpoint of our program. It is 731 here on the East Coast here in New Jersey. And a show promo for Making Inspired Choices with Coach Linda Stevens-Jones. That's Making Inspired Choices, the name of the show. The host is Linda Stevens-Jones. And it airs at noon Eastern on Tuesday, November the 7th. It's Tuesday, November 7th, 12 noon Eastern on Life Coach Radio Network. Is Linda Stevens-Jones making Inspired Choices. It's a brand new episode of that long-running show uh, with Coach Linda. Uh, tune in for that. And we are back now here on Undivided. And I would like to uh, throw out a couple things right now we're going to uh, open the lines. I'm going to ask Diego a, a question here that's seminal to uh, the transition in the segments of the show to now what we call Bridging the Divide is the next segment of our show. Uh, I'm going to open the lines to callers. 646-716-9397 is the phone number to call. If you have a question on show tonight, 646 nine three nine seven audible.com is our sponsor and then undivided show that's undivided show at gmail.com. If you would rather email us rather than come on air, I'll be checking emails as well. I just did. Um, So I know people in the past have emailed questions in feel free to do that as well. So we're back here on undivided. This is episode nine using music to unify people in peace. Uh, Diego, Here we go. How do we bridge the divide between people that may be closed off to music or certain genres of music or closed off to music entirely and connect them with people who enjoy music because as we were talking about, music can really be fundamental in providing that community, that unity among people as we were just discussing with the concerts, with festivals, with shows like that. So how can we do that? How do we bridge that divide?
1: Well, you know, I'm going to use rap as an example because I feel like it's something that has become somewhat divisive. Um, My dad and I will sometimes be riding in the car together, and I'll have uh, a, a bunch of MP3s on a flash drive in my car stereo on shuffle, and a rap song will come on. And I, I don't have to tell you that my 65-year-old baby boomer, Italian-American-born-in-Brooklyn father, loves rap music about as much as the next scare Caucasian. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I've never been able to stress to him, like, when I listen to rap, I'm not just listening to somebody talking about how great they are. I listen to N.W.A. Stray Outta Compton, which is an amazing album with a class and social conscious, the early public enemy stuff, same exact thing um, rap music and rock music have so much in common in that they started out as dance forms of music and then very quickly trans uh, transformed into a music that talked about uh, things of a social and class nature that really weren't being talked about at the time you know with with rock music in the sixties it was um you know, breaking out of that, you know, the son grows up to do what the father did, a, a lifestyle that, that was kind of the way things were back then. Um, and then in the 80s, it was more about talking what the news media weren't talking about, which was going on in the inner cities. Those neighborhoods were so largely ignored um, for years at that point. and And why the violence and, and, and the drug business had gotten so bad. Um, but, you know, keep an open mind. If you really want to be undivided, just keep an open mind. Try something. Truly listen to the best artists in each genre. They all have something to teach, and you never know. You might find somebody who really piques your interest, who you can groove to, whether it's, you know, listening to Straight of Compton, just a mortal record, and learning about – what goes on in African-American neighborhoods in the inner cities, or if you're, you know, if you're someone who's younger and you're not really too into dad rock. Well, instead of listening to Led Zeppelin, even though I like Led Zeppelin, maybe go back and listen to Elvis Presley. Like the earliest, uh, the early Elvis Presley stuff is amazing. Listen to Jerry Lee Lewis. Nobody ever played a piano like that before him. Few have been able to really do it well since, you know, Uh, Or listen to the early British Invasion stuff before it kind of got more psychedelic. Some of the best pop songs ever written came out of 1962, 63 to about 65 from the British Invasion bands. All of them were on the Mercy Beat label, and they all played at the Cavern Club. You know, this little place, which was like the Stone Pony of 1960s England. They all got their start there. When the Beatles hit big, the record company swooped in and just started signing everybody up. So just give it a shot and keep an open mind and and know that there's a community for each artist, each genre who who digs it too. And you can start to take down some of those walls.
0: That's where I'm driving at. You know, this show is all about doing that. And I'm glad that you answered that so eloquently because it takes it from, we have so many divisions in this world And I've talked about it on this show, and I will continue to because I think it's an important, you know, void that it fills. And in the the conversation I'm trying to start here is we have so many divisions that have been created by culture and society. It's nice to go, you know, for myself personally, and my wife and I go when we can. It's not as often as we used to. But it's one of the things we enjoy doing is going to a lot of concerts going to that and just unplugging you know I've seen Keith Urban a number of times and he'll say to, to the audience you know hey you guys have a lot of stuff going on in your life just unplug from it all for two two and a half hours with me and let's let's go on this journey together and essentially forget about what's going on forget about the car repair the have, have done or the electric bill or whatever it is and let's just be in the moment for two or two and a half hours together and you know, just have fun. And it is. It's a really fun show. It's, uh, he'll rock out and, and you kind of forget about that. You're, you're in the zone and you're like, oh, wow, you know, this is, and it's, it's a nice way to just kind of zone everything out and, and take it. So it is. It's having an open mind. You know, it's, uh, I know friends of mine that were not into country music and I introduced them to some people and they were. I listened to a lot of different things, but that's, you know, one of them. Uh, So I think that's a very important thing that you brought up. That's how we're going to break down these barriers between people. And and as you talked about before, it's that search for something deeper. Now, do you think that's what drives the communal aspect of music? Is it people looking for something deeper? Uh, And then what role can music play on the spiritual side? You had mentioned some of the spiritual music that you like. Elvis's early work is very spiritual. Uh, huge fan of his too, and and some of this Christian New Age music. And even when you go to a Bruce show, it's it's got a lot of gospel undertone. How can we bring um, people to a deeper spiritual understanding through music?
1: Uh, you know, to I think w- the one thing you really need to do if you want to have a deeper spiritual understanding you have to ask yourself the toughest questions you can imagine and search for the answer. Even if you never get there, you know, there's that old saying, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. You know, I, for, you know, my entire life have always struggled with things of a spiritual nature. You know, it, it really kind of goes day to day. But I've never stopped searching for those deeper answers in 33 years on the earth. Whether it's as a songwriter, or as just a person, or, or just as somebody listening to music, just keep searching for those answers. Find artists who are searching for them as well, and join them on their journey. You might find pieces of yourself in them. You know, um, it's funny too because uh, I was listening to some. I was listening to some of my vinyl this morning. And I was listening to Springsteen's The River album because he had just done a tour last year uh, where he played it in its entirety. I I never really understood the album until I saw it played live. Then I was like, okay, I totally get this now. This is an album meant to be performed live. That's why on the record it kind of almost, I don't want to say it doesn't work, but you really have to experience it in order to fully understand the album. But there's that one line in the title track is a dream a lie if it doesn't come true, or is it something worse? That's a powerful question. It's a question that may not ever be answered. It may not even have an answer. It might be more rhetorical. But he, you know, as as an artist, he's never stopped trying to find that answer since he's asked that question, and that was back in, I think, 79 when he wrote it. So find those artists like you two... Um, like springsteen like uh like Elvis early Elvis, you know who who are searching asking those questions and searching for those answers to join you on your journey um if you really want to find a deeper spiritual understanding, it could be any genre, it could be any artist you know the ones who are truly searching for something those are the artists you'll you'll hear it in the lyric, you'll hear it in the music as well um, and you'll you know you'll start to connect to it and, and through that you can find a deeper spiritual meaning for yourself
0: that's great advice and i know in my own parish you know the some of the new age christian music they'll play it at different uh, masses especially we have a a life team which is a designation for national like chapter for a youth group and we're one of uh, only three parishes in the whole area that has one and at the life team mass at uh, five o'clock mass on Sundays and my, my parish still play the new age music we also do it at a couple events that we have you know the first Friday mass uh that's a healing mass and some of that new age Christian music has really helped people especially younger people connect and I know that it's helped me uh connect and I was actually introduced to it by my cousin uh and really helped me to connect to something deeper in in that pursuit, in the pursuit of of my own religious beliefs and has, has harnessed that. So that's been a huge role I know for a lot of people that have mentioned that, you know, to me and leading up to this show. So I wanted to mention that as well. Uh, why can music bring together so many different types of people from all walks of life, as they say, and how can we use that? How can we harness that to bring about harmony in a world so full of violence? You know, given what happened yesterday, is an unfortunate backdrop to the question. But how can it do that?
1: Yeah, you know, it. it every, every I think everybody wants the same basic things. There are things that are universal: the need to be loved, to be understood, to be. Edu- you know, to be educated, to to have a, you know, a job that pays the bills. You know, there's this, uh, I'm a huge, I'm probably a bigger fan of Steve Van Zandt than I am of Bruce in some ways. And, and probably more aspired to be like him as an artist, even more so than Bruce is much of so Bruce music. Uh, but there's a song he wrote in the 80s called Solidarity. In the opening verse, you know, everybody wants the same things, don't they? Everybody wants a happy end. Everybody wants to see the game on Saturday. They want to be somebody's friend. You know, it, every, every person on this earth, I think, is looking for a lot of the same fundamental things. And through music, when you write the lyric properly, you can attach the song to those needs, to those desires. And that's, you know, when it's universal, it can draw anybody in. And that's just the thing. The, the, the really good songwriters it feels personalized, but it's really more of a generalization. It's a great magic trick to be honest. (laughs) Um, but yeah, Yeah, that's really what it, what it is. It's, it's taking those basic fundamentals uh, needs and desires, um, and and finding a way to search for them, to, to yearn for them, to obtain them, uh, and, and doing it in a way that, you know, almost anybody can kind of be like, yeah, I know exactly how that feels, or I want that too, you know, and and that's the beginning, where it goes from there. It really depends on the genre and the artist and, and the individual, but that that's that genesis point, and you just need to start searching out, you know, there's so much music out there, just search out the singers, songwriters, the artists, the performers that are, Searching for the same things you are, you know. They don't have to be on radio, and blowing up the top 40, or streaming everywhere, you know, four, four or five million times a year, to for you to find them. Just, just ask your friends, ask your coworkers, ask on the internet. Hey, who are you guys listening to? And then just give them a shot. I mean, the only thing you're going to do is maybe waste three or four minutes of your life on something you end up not liking.
0: Right. If that's the worst thing that can happen, especially now with all the title and with all these different music streaming services, Pandora, you could customize them. You could do a very wide search. I know on my Roku, I'll put on the app Vivo and watch, you know, old and new music videos. Um, I actually was, uh, I did that when Tom Patty uh, passed away. I immediately went to, to Vivo. It was like, you know, whatever it was, 1130 or midnight when, I saw on my phone uh, that Tom Petty had passed away and I went and started playing old Tom Petty videos and old Tom Petty songs. And just, I had to hear the music at that point. And, and I was I drawn be, to into technology. I was able to do it.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I would be wary of the streaming services because the only thing about, I don't like about them is they're kind of pay to play. Like if, if, they always try to market themselves to artists because they kind of get music on the other, they get paid on the other end of it too. It's not just the services that you pay for. They get money from distributors like, Hey, if you distribute through these people, we'll get you radio play amongst your favorite artists or your influences. But you really kind of have to pay a lot. And then you also have to end up being really, it's kind of gentrified where the streaming services try to control access. You know, the best thing you could do is, like I said, you know, know just, yeah, just go, go out there, start talking to people, start asking questions, start finding artists, go down to, you know, like here in New Jersey, there's the Wonder Bar, there's McLoone's, the the Asbury Yacht Club, the Brighton Bar in Long Branch, Stone Pony, um, there's the uh, Starland Bar, There's, there's usually local shows happening somewhere around here, go out and check them out for, 10, 15 bucks, you could see four or five different bands, have a few beers, maybe dance a little bit, and hear something new. And you might find some of the music that I really like from the last few years that I've discovered, I haven't discovered through radio or through YouTube or stream service. I discovered it because we were playing on a bill with somebody. I'm like, hey, these guys are awesome. I want to listen to them. You know, And I've become friends <laughs> with, with other musicians and other bands just from listening to them play and really digging their stuff. You know.
0: Wow, that's cool. That's really cool, you know, when you think about all the different ways you'd be introduced to it. You know, you hang out, uh, you know, and and just it's a nice night out. Like you said, it's an affordable night out. I'm all about that for people, too. We're all on limited budgets, or most of us are. And uh, especially today with the cost of everything rising, it's a whole other story. But if you get out, like Diego said, you know, go to one of these places. There's a lot of charm right here in New Jersey alone. Uh, we have uh, a lot of places here on the shore. Come out, do it. Uh, I've been out in some places in North Jersey, certainly in Manhattan. You know, go out and, and check some things out, check out some local artists. And then it's so easy to find those people and their music under, uh, through different websites of their own and things of that nature. It's it's incredible what technology has, has done to it in that way. Um, what are the consequences to the future of music? This kind of dovetails with my last question especially those music festival type events in light of what happened, the unfortunate tragedy in London, the Ariana Grande concert, and most recently in Las Vegas. What is the role of of the musical community in the healing process? So it's a two-part question. The first part, I know it's a big question. What are the consequences to the future of music with these shows and with these terrible events happening at those type of events? And what is the role of the musical community as far as healing?
1: well, the the you know the answer to the first one is really tough because it it really is a kind of time will tell thing. I mean, are these festivals going to continue? Are they going to cost more because of heightened security? Are people going to be willing mm-hmm. to to go to them if these incidents keep like, these are just questions that only time will answer. Um, really, the biggest consequence to music is simply people don't buy cds. i've I've had merch tables set up at concerts. And people come up to me and like, why should I give you money for your music? I don't know who you are. And it's like, well, here's my handshake. It's you know about 40 minutes long and it has 10 tracks. You know, people seem like they don't <laughs> want to pay for. They they don't value music anymore. That's the biggest thing, you know, is is they're only kind of willing to buy from the people that they hear on radio, not realizing that. Music created by the kid from the neighborhood who's got a home recording studio set up and knows how to use it properly could be as good or better than what you're hearing on the radio. Might be worth giving a chance, especially if you see them live and you dig their stuff. Buy the CD. You know, this, this way they can afford to keep producing music. Especially if you like the artist, that's a good thing. And uh, you're getting something new to listen to, and, and you can find their influences. It could open up a whole world for you. The second part of the question: How can right. music help with the Healing simple, it, you know. Concerts are a community event. It brings communities together. I remember in the wake of the terrorist attacks in New York in 2001, um, you know, a lot of artists came out and they did a tele, uh, a telev, something that was televised. It was like a, a telethon to raise money for mm-hmm. uh, you know the victims' families and the first responders. And then all you had all these celebrities that were on the phone taking the donations. You know what I mean? It, they come together in order to help people come together in the moments where we really need it. You know, our darkest moments are always followed by our finest hours. Um, I get, and you know, even in the eighties, you had, you know, the, what's that uh, Christmas song that was for charity? Let them know it's Christmas time again. I can't remember the name of that song.
0: We, let them know it's Christmas time again, and then there was the "We Are the World" thing for Ethiopia. Yeah, We Are the World. Artists
1: against uh, Artists against Apartheid. When When Apartheid was lying yeah. to artists and telling them that Sun City was located someplace else, you can come and play it without supporting, you know, the totalitarian government of South Africa at the time. And then they found out where Sun City was really located. You had the biggest stars in rock, pop, rhythm and blues, jazz. Uh, rap all coming out and saying, we're not going to go play Sun City anymore because we know the government is lying to us and we don't buy into what they're selling politically. So there's just a long history of music and musicians coming together for causes. Uh, Even here on the shore, I played a whole bunch of Sandy benefits in the immediacy after the storm with a band that I was playing with at the time that uh, I don't think exists anymore called on to something. Then my, my own music solo and with the band, we did some Sandy benefits. Um and we invited our friends along. Bobby Mahoney Seventh Son, great band, we brought them in. Uh Morningside Lane, another great band unfortunately doesn't exist anymore. Uh we, we you know we brought them in for Sandy benefit once. Uh and we actually had people who came from thousands of miles away from the other end of the country who came here to help the Jersey Shore rebuild after Sandy were at the show at this benefit that I had put together for project Paul who were really hurt by the storm. And, uh, I, I cannot tell you how fun it was to hang out with everyone was buying them drinks. They were the absolute nicest guys. We treated them like Kings. They were here to help us out. And then there were people from the organization that we were, that we were, uh, trying to raise money for to help them rebuild. And the nicest people in the world we're Mm -hmm. hanging out with them all night. And, you know, uh, music at its best is, like you said, a community event. You know, it's a personal community event, but it's still a community event. And when the artists come together for a cause, you usually see something truly special.
0: That's beautiful, beautiful thing. Especially, like you said, in the, the light of all these things that can be, you know, perceived so negatively and can really cause pain people emotionally and otherwise to be able to come out of that and to have that type of event and to come and coalesce around something that is so what this show is all about. And I think that music's one of the, the few, filled, you know, still people together, regardless of all the other baggage and all the other things that come with it, all the other preconceptions people may have. And, you know, for that night or for that time, Together and and agree on something, you know? And and that's what I think is so beautiful uh, about it. Um, And that's the work you do for speaking to that. Um, Why do you think the value of it, though, is diminished? I know I've spoken on previous shows and made jokes about myself that, you know, my wife has to get me the CD because. I don't have music in other forms, <laughs> you know, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of having the CD and it's probably because of the generation I'm from and, and owning it and having the music and playing it in my car, which is primarily where I listen to music. Uh, why do you think that's values diminished and how can that be somehow altered or changed?
1: Uh, I don't think it can be changed. Unfortunately, uh, part of it is the telecommunications uh. act of 1996 Um with, with that act, they allowed media conglomerates to own a larger percentage of outlets in a given media market. So when that happened, the local stations that would play local artists and sort of, you know, Jersey had a sound and it had a specific style of music that it listened to. It was very varied. It was soul music. It was blues, uh, rock, rockabilly, pop, punk. It was a whole mixture of things. Clear Channel comes in, they buy up all of the radio stations, and now the playlists, they're all the same. It's the same, it's not even top 40 anymore. It's like the top 10 tracks from 10 artists with maybe a couple other things that have been popular over the course of the last, you know, 6 to 12 months. Uh, That's a big part of it. And then also the internet, really. Um, The accessibility of being able to find music either for free or go on to YouTube and stream it go to you know, Pandora or Spotify where you can listen for free. You have to deal with the ads, but hey, you're not paying for it. It makes people subconsciously think that music itself is not valuable. But I can tell you right now that I routinely spend anywhere between 1500 to $3,000 to record each album. Now, I know I'm never going to make that money back, but I'll still do it because for the person who is willing to spend $10 on a CD of mine, I want them to have the most professional product possible that I am able to create with my limited resources and limited budget. So the CDs that I sell, they're not burned in my computer at home. They're molded from glass. I spend the extra money to have them molded from glass by a company actually based here in New Jersey. When people buy the CD, it allows me to keep creating music, but it also allows me to keep going to that company in New Jersey and buying CDs from them. Uh, to get made up, which gives them more business. Wow. And I'm not the only artist that yeah, I'm not the only artist that does this. Um, a lot, a lot of hardcore, you know, singer-songwriters. This is a life's calling kind of thing. Are you know, printing vinyl, printing CDs, and they're not doing you know the cheap CDRs like a, you know, a 16-year-old garage band. But even then, 16-year-old garage band is gonna maybe ask you for five bucks. I would give it to them. Just be like, hey. You know, yeah, five bucks, man. I'll check out your stuff for five bucks. You know, support the artist, especially locally, is really the best thing you can do. And then on top of that, you know, you also have bands who give their music away for free. And I always tell them, don't do that. Because, you know, most people, they'll they'll take the CD, but then they'll throw it out. It'll never get opened. It'll never get listened to. You know, people won't see it as having value. Exactly. Exactly. You know, ask for a few bucks, Mm -hmm. even if it's just, you know, two or three dollars to replace the CD that you had made or or you burned in your computer, just so you break even. Ask for something. You know, at least then they'll listen to it once.
0: Right, because what does that say about, then they're going to look and say, what does that say about the artists that are giving it away for free? You know? Yeah. So there's, you're right about that. That's probably going to be really self-defeating for everybody involved. And it's great that you take that kind of care with, with your own music and putting together the quality of that. And so that's something for our listeners to keep in mind, especially, you know, with holidays coming up, you're looking for something, uh, looking for an, a nice gift idea that, that's a potential there. Uh,
1: it's a great, great stocking supper for to? the music lover in your life. <laughs> yes,
0: exactly, uh, exactly. Uh, I'm sorry, I
1: interrupted is you. you. What was you
0: express to the – oh, that's okay. Uh, to the listeners of the show here that have maybe potential values or moral conflicts with lyrics, with content of certain songs or with certain types of music?
1: Well, I mean, I I understand. I mean, I wouldn't listen to like Nazi skinhead metal music, but I don't listen to it. I don't buy the CD. There's so much music out there. If you're offended by something, or you have an ideological difference, don't listen to it. Don't buy it. Find somebody who you're comfortable with. Support them and listen to them. There's so much of it out there. There's really no need. You know, if it's just a few <clears throat> adult words, you know, I'm not a big fan. I am completely against censorship. You know. Um I can understand why some people are sensitive to those words i i it you know uh I rarely if ever use strong language in in my songs just because I like my music to be accessible but uh sure you know it, you don't you kinda of, you know you don't have to listen to it a lot of newer music especially there's somewhere there's a radio edit of it if you really like the song, get the radio edit there's there's other avenues to the music that are accessible that aren't going to be as controversial. you know. But the warning label on the front of the CD, it shouldn't scare you away. Because like I, I think of artists like Green Day who will put a lot of adult language into their songs, but I look at American Idiot and I think, you know, this is something that needs to be heard. This is one of the greatest rock albums ever. It's very poignant. It's very relevant still today. Um, You know, almost 15 years after it's been released. Uh, You know, if you're really searching for those deep, like we were talking before, the deep searches, if you're really searching for something, don't limit yourself. But at the same time, if it's really something you're that sensitive to, you know, there's somebody else doing it too that's not using that language,
0: find them. Gotcha. That's good advice. That's good advice. And as far as common ground, we have a, a, a show called common ground. Well, we kind cause I know I'm not going to solve, you know, everything in an hour show. I'm not going to certainly solve everything, you know, overnight. But as far as first steps towards that, what are the first steps towards common ground? as far as taking people that have maybe certain preconceptions about music in general or certain types of music specifically and move them toward that goal of that ultimate goal. We've been discussing uniting people peacefully through music.
1: Yeah. Just keep an open mind and an open heart. You know, you might be pleasantly surprised with what you find on the other side of that search.
0: That's great. Keep an open mind. That's the first step. And that's the first step towards achieving common ground on this. And that's like so many other things in life, approach situations with an open mind. And you'll be pleasantly surprised quite often with the results that you will gather from that type of experience. Um, I wanted to talk to you. you Thank you for answering all these questions and being so gracious with, you know, the music knowledge you have is tremendous. Um, I want to just talk to you very quickly because you know, obviously we're we're coming towards the end of our time here together it always goes fast I guess always say that too but as far as like your own music your own charity work maybe some upcoming projects uh, please mention your website or however people can get in contact with you what you're interested in doing if you're going to be you know doing events or if you want to be contacted for them or uh, anything from that aspect of, of what you're doing right now, uh, feel free to uh, mention at this point.
1: Um, well, I mean, first, if you want to learn more about me and my music, I would go to, you know, go to my website, www.diego, the letter A, dot net, Um and, and just, you know, you can stream my music there for, you know, you can stream it for free if you want to download it you know it's standard $1 a song, $10 for the album but you know there's always at least 10 tr- like you know 8 to 10 tracks so it's pretty good value for your money um but just you know give it a shot uh there's no performances as, as of yet I kind of took the year off to kind of reflect and, and and start working on some newer stuff uh I did release a single earlier this year called lonely in brooklyn check that out also um if you Google banding together spondylitis benefit. Uh, this uh, gentleman who owns an internet radio station who plays local Jersey artists like myself, uh, his wife suffers from spondylitis. Each year he has a benefit compilation that he asks the artist to donate songs to um, called banding together through Bandcamp, It's $10. You get like 30 songs. Uh, I, 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 Donated the song as well, an alternate version of a song from my first album called "Ain't Got Go Home," um, as well as some other uh, some other songs and on, on past the uh, on past compilations. Seek that out. That's that was a really cool track. Uh, very much how Lot 25 used to perform it, with maybe a couple little differences. Um, just, just you know. I I don't play. It's it's weird. Like rock and roll is such a bad thing when you when you do it on your own. It kind of forces you to have to discover the uh, the other instruments you're playing in your own way. So it never quite it never comes out quite the same, but it's still really good. But uh, yeah, just uh, head to my website. You can follow me on social media on Twitter at Diego Music NJ, on Instagram at Diego Music NJ. You can feel free to tweet me any questions about music. I have you know. I'm usually
0: around. I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. That is awesome. And thank you for the uh, charitable work you have done in the past and that you currently are uh, doing uh, for sharing the knowledge that you have on music, which is so extensive uh, for being such a gracious uh, guest on our program tonight. That's www.diegoa.net That's n-e-t to find Diego and his music and his story. And I'm so blessed to have such a talented friend. Thank you so much, buddy, for coming on. I I really appreciate it very much.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And and thank you to everybody uh, listening out there. I hope to hear from you soon.
0: Yes, absolutely. So that's going to, Uh, Move us now to the end of this program, a couple of announcements. Uh, Jan Jaffe's next show, Wednesday, November the 8th at noon Eastern time here on Life Coach Radio Network. That's Jan Jaffe, Wednesday, November 8th at noon Eastern. And then Tammy Banfield will have a solo show. She's the newest uh, member of the Life Coach Radio Network uh, host family, uh, Wednesday, November the 8th of the same day at 1 p.m., so you could stick with us, listen to Jan's show at noon, listen to Tammy's show at 1 over on Life Coach chat channel, and make an afternoon of it. And that's a great segue because my next guest on the program will be Tammy Banfield. Uh, my next show is November the 15th, live at 7 p.m. Tammy is going to join me. We're going to be speaking about the role of gender and the role of gender inequality. Uh, And some of these issues, especially in light of what's going on in Hollywood, it's a a really big topic, really big show. Uh, She is an expert in the field. It's going to be very interesting. How do we change that divide uh, that exists surrounding barriers with gender? So that's my next show on the 15th of November. Uh, This has been Undivided, Episode 9, Use Music to Unify People in Peace. Uh, thank you again to Diego. Thank you to our listeners. RedCross.org, SalvationArmyUSA.org, Catholic Charities USA, 800-919-9338, Food for the Poor, 800-427-9104. Please find it in your heart to give. And until I see you all again on the 15th, thank you all again for listening. Be blessed and be well.